1: Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local modern woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662 296 186 Let's make a difference together. Hotty Toddy and Go Rebs.
2: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Kentrell Lockett, former Ole Miss defensive end at Clark underscore Kentrell on Twitter. He joins me for the mailbag because, of course, he does. Hasn't been on in a while, but he's back now in the guest co-host chair. Forty, how you doing, man?
3: I'm good, man. How are you? How's everything in Forty's world right now? You know, I, I can't complain. Can't complain at all. You know, got got some things turning. Family good. as big as ever. Um, my baby girl made 10 on today. You know, so life is great. Can't really complain, man. You know, they, they can see some things going on at Ole Miss. You got some uh, some players with some big-time numbers. I even got an old coach that's back in the red and blue, man. So it's a lot that's going on right now. Big ups to Tyrone Nix too, just for leaving, coming back. You know, it says a lot about him. Well, it says a lot about what people think of him and his work and of him as well, for him to leave a place and then come back. A
2: Tyrone Nix question or two in the mailbag. Some NCAA tournament discussion. Ole Miss is in the NCAA tournament. Everyone knows that at this point. Friday, take on Oklahoma at 1140 Central Time on True TV. Winner gets Virginia on Sunday. I'm heading out to Columbia, well, actually, when you're listening to this, I'm in Columbia. You're listening to this on Thursday or Wednesday late evening. I am in Columbia right now. So taking off for Columbia, I'll be there. Full coverage on the Ole spirit, omspirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions, and iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions and soon to be back on Rebel Sports Radio. So the NCAA tournament, spring football is back after a spring break. Baseball picks up the win on Tuesday and Wednesday against Arkansas Pine Bluff. A lot going on in Ole Miss athletics for you in particular, former Ole Miss football player, Ole Miss defensive end. What was your worst spring football experience?
3: The best was the first one with Ed Oderon in number forty-six. The worst probably was that next year because I felt like I had a lot to prove, and and, and the coaches expected so much of me. So my uh, my uh, just the, the the level of competition in my head that I had to. Just put out on the field and practice and everything. I kind of would just would 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 just forget the little things. I remember in the back of my head, like vividly Coach Damron yelling at me for me messing up while my parents and everybody was in the stage. And I just it was something so simple. And he blew a gasket, but it, it was only right because I've been doing it right all through spring. And it was just that one spring game that I felt like I had to do everything right. But I didn't. Coach Darren let me know about it, too, every time, every chance I get.
2: Chuck Ooh. Ronsville, my publisher at the Old Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, is going to come on in a couple of minutes to give a spring football report. He was out at practice on Tuesday while I was sitting in Swayze Field watching Old Miss baseball. Route, Arkansas Pine Bluff, 12-2. to 2. So, Chuck Ronsville, in just a minute. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern Woodman representative. If you need help financially, contact Thomas today. He'll help you with retirement savings, getting your financials in order. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So what does Modern Woodman do? How about financial security for you and your family through life insurance, retirement planning, financial services? How about quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities? Community impact through local volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. If your finances are bogging you down as they were for me, contact Thomas today. He's a personal friend. He's the one to talk to, 662-296-0186, 662-296-0186. To learn more, go to www.modernwoodman.org. That's www.modernwoodman.org. Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like, recently. You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels' is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some moments basketball, baseball, spring football practices, but more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Hope spring's eternal in spring football, but when y'all are losing so much under Ed Orgeron, did you go into spring feeling like you were going to bounce back? Do players always keep that optimism or... Do you get smacked with reality every every so often, and have that hopeless feeling that oh God, this is all for nothing? Do players sense any of that, or are they always optimistic that they're going to win?
3: Always optimistic, man. It, it, I, I swear, it was like no matter what we did during the week, no matter what we did, and come to a game, it was like we might have a chance because we would always play good the first and second quarter. It was just how the week would lay out that we wouldn't have nothing else in the tank. So, coming in the spring, you just kinda kinda kind of take it upon yourself, man. I knew during the season we were kind of short winded, so I know I gotta work on on running and being in shape and being able to move you know so so you really look at the spring as if you're not looking at it as a whole for the team of being optimi- optimistic at least for yourself, this is what I did wrong last year. This is what I need to fix. This is what I left on film. This is what other coaches and other players see. This was my weakness last year, so this year, that weakness should in turn be my strength because I've worked on it so much so so th- the season the previous season is over. You can't change that only thing you can change is really you and what you can contribute to the team next year. so that's always an upside there, there's always something you can do in the off season to erase the previous and just to just to make yourself better or that one that one foot up or that. The extra few minutes of studying film, the extra few minutes of ball get up, the extra few minutes of pass blocking, the extra few minutes of reach blocking, cut blocking, whatever it may be, wherever you like, that's what you got to feel. So that's what I, that's what my whole approach.
2: Media, me in particular, hate spring football, but no one cares what the media thinks. No one likes the media. They just want you, the fans, meaning those people out there, want you to tell them what's going on. So who cares what I think? Fans like spring football. Do players like spring football? I say, yeah, because
3: it's that break in that fast of your dad to play football Well your dad to go to school first, of course. But you dad to play football as well. And now you're not playing football. You're a regular student. You know, so so when it is that time to get back to play football, it's like something just a little bit different. You wake up in the morning and, and, and you, you don't need that that alarm clock now. You up because, you know, today is the day to strap on the pads or today is the day that we back in the meeting room. So it's really something that you look forward to. But on the other hand, it was like, OK, this day break I've been looking forward to to really just put the body on the shelf for it to just 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 gather itself for me to, you know, put back in it what I need to just so I can be good for the upcoming upcoming season. So it, it, it's and it's free time. Maybe I may get to go home or see friends or hang out when I didn't, you know, like uh, it's seven o'clock on the on a Wednesday and I could probably go hang out by my friend house instead of being just leaving out of practice, and, you know, didn't have to go to study hall. So at that point in time, you're somewhat is a, you're somewhat our regular student, but at the same time you're in preparation, but you look forward to that actual day when you can strap the pads on. I ain't, I ain't gonna say strap the pad. I'm gonna say strap the pads on. Cause you know, you got the first few days of, of, of acclimation. And then you go from just jerseys and helmets to shells and then the full pads. So the first few days are the worst. Is when you actually put the pads on is when, you, is when it's real, you know, because you want guys to go full speed. You can't go full speed um um, not equipped, but that's what make a pro a pro, you know. So, so you're really testing to see if you can do it now.
2: We've talked about this before on one of the versions of my podcast, be it the flagship or the old spirit podcast or now talk of champions. I can't remember. But for all those people who haven't heard that podcast from years, I don't know, a couple of years ago probably – Who were those players that always performed in the spring but never came through in the season where you go, man, he's coming on, and then, boom, he'd go back to being invisible in the fall?
3: Melvin Harris was one. Uh, Remember Bruce? Bruce was a hell of a guy. Bruce Hall always showed out in the spring was a hell of a guy during the spring, but didn't come the season. You know, but you, you it's like you you don't know if you can put that on Bruce because Bruce was a second, third-string running back. You know, so you can't really put that on Bruce. Bruce actually got the opportunity to play during the spring. Devin Thomas, of course. Devin Thomas would, would just take the top off the defense. You know, it, it would be speed that we would never see any other time just besides spring. You know, you would get flashes of it in practice, but during spring, he was that guy, and you never really saw it. Um, you, you had like guys like Cliff Coleman in, in, um, practices and in spring, you really couldn't throw the ball over there to cliff or or where cliff was, but then come the season cliff wasn't even in the starting rotation type deal. And Melvin Harris, of course, Melvin Harris in, in the spring was a guy that we thought we could depend on, but he had a lot of other things going on with him. But then when you look at what he would do and produce, like some practices during the spring, he wouldn't drop a ball. The next practice, he may he may catch all all jump balls, but then come come fall camp, can't catch nothing. Hands like bricks. So it was a few guys, man, a few guys. Uh, Tank Washington was one of them guys too. They thought, you know, he had a big upside for what he did in the spring, but then come the fall, he'd be like, man, where did all that go? Where 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 did all that go? Where where was it? You know, so it was a few guys, a few guys. It, it was. I'm sure it's more than that, but that's just the ones that just. Just came off the front of the low, front of the middle. Best spring scuffle that you can remember. John Jerry and Jonathan Cornell. Now that was hard to believe, but it happened.
2: Yeah, Cornell when, doesn't seem like a fighting kind of guy.
3: On the football field, Cornell is a different person than what he is in real life. In real life, he crew socks, vans, shorts, and a t shirt. But on the football field, he he is not that guy. And him and John him and John Jerry just went at it. And that was during Ed Ogeron time. He was liking it. Then he blew the whistle. Dun, 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 dun. Then he made them line up and go, go chairman of the board and just go until they got tired. And So eventually that turned into a fight again. But they just went until they went tired. And then we just resumed practice like nothing ever happened. Um,
2: John Darrell Jerry broke. probably won. But I'm thinking that Jonathan Cornell held his own at least. For sure.
3: For sure. Jonathan Cornell was, think about it, He was a middle linebacker in the SEC, so he was used to taking on that size and them guys, you know, and he was bench pressing him off his chest every time he was coming, like, get up off me, get up off me, get up off me. But that was a brawl. That was something I did not want to intervene in. Uh, There's another one, Jarrell Poe
2: and um, (laughs) – Jarrell Poe and Alan Walker. (laughs) Jarrell Poe and Alan Walker during the spring. Poe's a friend of the program. I love him to death. I wrote his retirement story. I, I think the world of Darrell Poe. Having said that, Poe doesn't seem very quick in a fight. Now, if he gets his hands on you, tough. That's but different. Alan Walker danced around him, I'm sure. So, Poe, first off, Poe get tired.
3: Poe, come on now, coach, throw a dog a bone. Now, if you want a dog to eat, you got to throw him a bone every now and again. That's him trying to get a little water break, a little extra on the side, trying to finesse the coach. So, as we running from, we was in the indoor. And we were towards, you know, the windows where the coach's office are. We were right there. That's normally where defense or D-line be in the back end zone. So Coach, coach, uh, coach Nutt blew it up. Dun, 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 dun. We had to go all the way on the other side of the field. It's two minutes. So Poe already mad because we got to run. Man, why they don't come to us? Why they don't come to us? Allen started laughing. So as we taking off running, Poe trips. And instantly, he think Allen Walker tripped him. And he, you know he had that cast on his hand at this time. Well, he stayed with a cast on that right hand, right wrist, thumb, whatever it was. He swung at Alan Walker with that cast, and Alan Walker just kept laughing, kept laughing. I told you, Big Po, you can't hit me. So that whole practice, them two kept going at it to meet each other in the locker room to do nothing, just to talk, just to talk, just to talk, just to talk. That Okay, you want to hear another one? Of course. 6'8", Melvin Harris, was dropped by like 5'9", Jeremy McGee.
2: Melvin Harris is like a, like Groot, except if Groot was the teenage version of Groot and he could be blown over by the wind. Melvin
3: body fell in sections. It was like neck, torso, hips, thighs, shin, and just left laid to the ground. It was spring, early morning run, no late evening run. We had to make them 110. Melvin was the only one not making them 110s. We had been finished like... About eight one tens previous than than the one we were running. Melvin, the only person still not making the time. Jeremy say one more time, Melvin, one more time, and I, I promise you. Now keep in mind, Jeremy McGee had had surgery on his hand. He had broke his hand or something. They had screws and plates in his hand. Probably was two three months out from surgery. Yeah, that same hand uh, laid
2: Melvin down on that ground in that dust. Crazy. With that. We go to Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Spirit, Spirit, omspirit.com, to talk spring football. Give us the update from the practice fields. He's been out there every single time. Media's been allowed to view practice. I've been covering basketball and baseball. I've had my hands full. So David Johnson and Chuck Ronsville have done a tremendous job on the Oldman Spirit covering spring football, and he joins us now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Chaney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations compounding, a two lane drive through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Chaney's also accepts all third party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford over 40 years. At Chaney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Chaney's a call, 662 234 7221. 662 234 7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, cheneyspharmacy.com. Chinese Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. All right, enough messing around. huh? Let's play this game. Let's play some football.
3: It's first team all state. I can put the ball wherever I want to. I'll make it rain out here.
2: Hot round, Red 7. Red 7! Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? We you just go stand on the other side,
3: please?
2: I like this kind of party! Joining me now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line is Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. Spring football practices for Ole Miss have picked back up. Chuck's out there every time the media is allowed to view practices. Chuck, first, how you doing, man?
4: Doing great, doing great and excited about you know spring football and uh, gosh so so proud of the men's basketball team before we get into football and uh, you know liking a lot of what I'm seeing out of baseball as soon as they get the pitching rotation squared away I think we're going to be a very competitive baseball team too so uh, should
2: be an exciting spring. As far as spring football is concerned what's it been like out there at practice? last time I talked to you they were just getting started. they're a couple of weeks into it. now what's the overall takeaway right now?
4: um uh, it is pretty intense. uh people getting adjusted to offensive coordinator Rich Rodriguez, defensive coordinator Mike McIntyre and the other new position coaches and uh uh but but you know nothing negative that i can Ascertained right at this point i I think that there's some gaps to be filled, and there's a lot of things to keep watching as this team develops, but uh, so far, so good
2: This is a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions, and there was one football question in particular that stuck out to me it 's from Jared Joel. Now, my answer to him would be, go check out the Oldman Spirit. Chuck and David Johnson do the best job of anybody covering Ole Miss spring football practices. But he wanted to know, he hadn't read or heard much about spring football. What's the word on Matt Corral with Rich Rod's offense? You're two weeks into it now. You said he's handled it pretty well the last time we talked. What's it look like right now? You know, Matt's clearly the number one guy. Uh, it's, it's hard for us to tell
4: too much as far as the development of the offense In his mind, other than what he's told us, and he says he's taken to it pretty well. That uh, the adjustments not has not been that difficult, and that uh, Rich Rod has been very patient in his uh, tutoring of of Matt. Uh, Certainly, he's he's got all the physical tools, as we've said many many times. He's very much the best passer out there without. You know, you can just look for five minutes and see that the two young guys, uh, Tisdale and Dent, they just—they're just raw. I mean, you know, and, and Matt's not. Matt is ready to go. So, I think he's done a, a, a admirable job. You know, obviously, it's still a work in progress, but I think Matt's Matt's right on target.
2: In your conversations with the coaches, with the players, have any players emerged as surprises so far coming into the spring not a lot expected showing out pretty well so far for a couple of weeks
4: yeah i think uh i think there's been two or three actually um they really liked what sam williams has done at outside linebacker the juco signee um he he right now is running with the number one defense i don't know they expected that this quickly. Now, certainly they knew he was a great athlete, but he just doesn't have a lot of football experience, but he seems to have a lot of football savvy. He and Kadir Shepard are both are are the starting uh, outside linebackers right now. I think Jonathan Haynes, another JUCO guy at safety, is kind of taking over that one of those safety positions. uh, I believe free safety, and and that's certainly a pleasant surprise. And then uh, at running back uh, Derek Nix told me running back coach Derek Nix told me the other day that Isaiah Woolard is is running every bit as good as Scotty Phillips right now, and that's a that's great news. Because um, Scotty, we know what what kind of player he is, and when Isaiah filled in for him last year, he was competent. But I don't know that you would call him in that class, you know, with Scotty. But Derek says he's really upped his game, uh, so I, I think those three. And then Dontario Drummond, another JUCO guy that came in in January, wide receiver, is doing some good things, turned some heads. And uh, so far, I believe those are the guys that probably are the uh, surprises or weren't expected to be as far along as they are right now.
2: Forgotten man because of the injury, but Devon Penniman's back out there. Is he running like his old self yet? Not yet. He's all braced
4: up, you know, as a precaution. He said his knee is fine and he's actually lost ten pounds. He's down to about two hundred and sixteen pounds now and so that's that's gonna help his movement eventually, but he he's still struggling a little bit in the uh not not in the Structure of his knee, but just getting it loose and turning loose, and not being in a brace. So it's not there yet, but it it will be. And he's feeling good about where he is for this in this stage of his comeback.
2: What's the chemistry like right now, as far as players adjusting to the new staff and the overall identity the staff is trying to forge with this group?
4: It seems to be pretty good, Ben. Again, we're very limited on what we can watch. Uh, But in in interviews, we were asking those kind of questions. And uh, the kids' ears perk up, and their eyes glisten a little bit when asked about the new coaches. And, um, you know, the the thing to me that seems to me like is uh, they're looking for a new set of leaders because a lot of their leaders graduated. And there doesn't seem to be any, you know, superstar-type attitudes out there. They're all kind of yeoman guys blue collar type of lunch pail guys and i think that that's going to help them a lot as far as the chemistry and and leaning on each other to to be a team
2: are there any guys like that that could emerge like momo seems like an obvious guy to step up and be a leader and i would think that matt corral should he start to have some success could be that type of guy You kind of have to have production to walk hand in hand with leadership don't you
4: yeah i think so um and i think on the offensive line you're looking at alex givens um out wide, you know. Last year they leaned a lot on Demarcus Lodge, uh, AJ, DK. I don't know what they're going to do at wide receiver as far as leadership because all those guys are awfully young um, and and or new, and so that's 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 going to be interesting to watch that development. Scotty Phillips is obviously the leader of the running back room uh, on defense. Momo is ab- absolutely the leader of the linebacker room inside and outside. Um, not sure who's going to emerge in that secondary yet. Um, maybe a miles Hartfield, maybe a Vernon Dasher. I don't know. depends on a, a lot of things. You still waiting on Montreal Custis and Jalen Jones to come back off of their knee injuries. So, uh, uh, right now, Momo, Momo's the guy, and you would hope that Josiah Cotney or Benito Jones uh, would would emerge on the defensive line as leaders, but it, right now they're both in green jerseys, signifying that they have no contact, that they're coming back from the injury.
2: So it's hard to lead when you're in that kind of situation. Position battles are overblown in spring football, but one thing I've heard, I haven't been out there, and obviously you have, that Jason Pellerin's pushing Octavius Cooley pretty hard right now as the first team tight end. Well, he was
4: until he came down with a concussion. He, right now he's oh. in concussion protocol, um, along with Alex Givens. So both of those guys are in concussion protocol right now, but, uh, when he comes back, uh, I guarantee you he, he's going to push for a lot of playing time. Regardless of which one of them starts, they're both going to play a lot. And and I th- and it's you know good for Jason. I mean he's been around here a long time. He's played in the shadow of Dawson Knox and Evan Ingram and even to a certain extent Cooley. Uh, so it's his it's his shot, and I think he's going to take advantage of it.
2: As far as the cornerbacks are concerned, Jalen Jones is still hurt. Had the ACL ACL injury last year is Ole Miss operating like he'll be back and be a starter or are they looking at Keydron Smith the Juco guys to take over that spot and whatever they get out of Jalen they'll be satisfied with kind of like it's gravy
4: uh no I, th- I think they're counting on him pretty heavily uh you know I mean he's he was arguably before he got hurt last year which was real early in the season as far as August practice arguably the best defensive player on the team no and I, I know that's saying a mouthful but uh you know that was a huge blow when he went down. When Custis went down, and he went down uh, to an already thin defense. Uh, that's that was two tough blows there, um, and they're they're anxious to get them back, get them back in the fold because they're they're important cogs to this. Now I will say this: the spring is going to allow uh, Keydron and, and Miles Hartsfield and Jamar Richardson, the JUCO transfer, to. You know, to get a lot of reps, Ja'Cory Hawkins, uh, you know, there's several of them that are going to benefit from spring, and we'll see how it comes out. But, you know, to think that Jalen Jones isn't going to be a starter next year unless his knee does not respond I think would be unrealistic.
2: As far as other possible transfers, Gabe Angel's gone. Do you foresee any other real movement, be it in the grad transfer market or guys leaving after spring football if they're not where they want to be on the depth chart, or do you think – uh, the roster's pretty much set going into the fall?
4: Oh, I think it's pretty set. I mean, you know, there there could always be one or two guys that come out of spring and, uh, you know, I'm not getting enough playing time, yada, yada, yada. But nothing that's obvious to you watching practice. Uh, I mean, I don't see any heads being hung out there or, or attitude issues or anything like that. So uh, to try and answer that definitively would be almost impossible. But – Uh, you know, it's always a possibility, obviously.
2: Well, last thing, and I'll let you go. If I'm an Ole Miss fan, I don't know anything about spring football. I've stayed away from it on the Spirit. I've stayed away from it on this podcast. The overall number one thing I should take away from what spring football has brought so far for Ole Miss would be what?
4: Better coaching, uh, in my opinion. I I think there's a plan. I I don't think there's any wishy-washy. I think uh, Mike McIntyre is a brilliant coach who's going to get the most out of the defensive talent allowed and rich rodriguez's i think his reputation and track record speaks for itself uh i think it's rich rodriguez is going to introduce an offense out here that's more to matt luke's liking a little more running a little more physical style a little more aggressiveness um so i i think coaching is is the number one i'm taking out of it uh and then the, other, the number two thing is uh how quickly will some of these kids develop? Because they're all going to have to come on for this team to be successful next year.
2: He's Chuck Ronswell, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com and Spirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Always good stuff, Chuck. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk
4: again. You too, brother. Take care. Thank you a lot.
2: That was Chuck Ronswell, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. Are also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. It's soon to be back on Rebel Sports Radio. More details to come. It's mailbag time. 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 The the mail's here.
4: You've got mail. Special mail for you.
2: This is a letter to Hollywood saying, Keep it up, movies are great. It's mailbag time here on Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Kentrell at former Ole Miss defensive end, at Clark underscore Kentrell. The first question comes from at I underscore am Paul 27. At Spirit Ben. why does the baseball team always struggle against soft-tossing lefties? It's not just soft-tossing lefties. It's lefties in general. Entering their matchup with Arkansas Pine Bluff on Tuesday, Olmus was hitting through 20 games, 238 against left handed pitching with a collective team OBP of 339. They were slugging 301. Olmus didn't face a lefty against Arkansas Pine Bluff on Tuesday, and Cooper Johnson going into that game led the team with a 400 average. Jacob Adams, second with a 364. Ryan Olenek, Cole Zabowski, third and fourth respectively, 360 and 286. Thomas Dillard is hitting 269 against South Paul's. Tyler Keenan, 208 for the season. Gray Kessinger, 150. Cooper Johnson has been my team MVP so far, and Ole Miss is 15 and 16, as we're recording this right now before the game Wednesday night. But in general, Ryan, Ole Miss has had trouble, especially in recent seasons, with low-velocity pitchers. Ole Miss scored their first 10 runs on two hits, I think, in their 12-2 win over Arkansas Pine Bluff on Tuesday. I actually asked Ryan Olenek, who had the team's first two hits, about it after the game. He had four hits and five at-bats, set a career high with five RBI. He was the only Ole Miss Rebel with double-digit hits in that game. And keep in mind, you, you and, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff's staff is atrocious. The Golden Lions feature four pitchers, I think, if memory serves, with off-speed offerings topping out in the 60s. It was bad. He said, quote, it's that slower velocity, you're not used to it. You see these big leaguers hitting 98 like, like they see it every day, and that's because they see it every day. You're used to it. We're used to 90, 92, 94. You see these guys, it's a really big adjustment, but it's almost like you're sitting off speed. They can't beat you. Good hitters get jammed. Stay inside the ball, end quote. That comes directly from Mike Bianco after we cut off our recorders and we're done interviewing Mike Bianco in the post game. I asked him, how do you wait back on 64 miles per hour? And he said, you just got to wait. You just got to wait and get jammed. And Ole Miss didn't do a good job of getting jammed against Arkansas Pine Bluff. But it didn't matter because they kept getting walked and hit by pitch. And Ole Miss scored a bunch of runs. Ten runs on two hits and then 12 overall on seven. So Ole Miss waited it out. But soft tossing lefties, junk ball, pitchers in general, Ole Miss struggled and the lefties struggled so far this season obviously, of concern to this point. At the third quarter, the afternoon fireworks ask, how are football season ticket sales going? Shame on you at the third quarter. You obviously didn't listen to Ross Bjork on Talk of Champions on Tuesday. I asked him specifically about football season ticket sales. They're over 11,000. The deadline, I think, is next week. Suffice to say, those numbers are concerning, but they're not all that surprising, right, Forty? Not at all.
3: You would expect that. Well, I, I would expect it just going into this season and from what has happened, but you really can't say can't speak towards what them fans thinking, what they're doing, or why they're not getting those tickets, or or or, or they just want to buy the ticket. Maybe I don't know. And well, I'm going to be there. How about that? Count me in. When, in those. But but I get it. I understand. I understand you are feeling a certain way. But if you're red and blue, you're red and blue. Blue. It don't mean. When it really means when lose the draw is marriage, you know. Think then, thin, better or for worse. This is we've seen better. Like this is we worse, but we're coming back. So be there with us. It's all we're asking, you know. That's all.
2: That number will grow, but I get it. I understand it because of the six year NCAA colonoscopy of Ole Miss Football. I also get the coaching search that led to Matt Luke. All of those things crescendoing into this. A season ticket sales number that is not good right now. That number will grow. Where it ends up, I don't know. I think Old Miss will probably end up selling about twenty
3: five thousand. Yep, about two. That's what I would say. About twenty twenty five thousand for sure. But for sure. it's the just end. the the eleven yeah. that's right now are the diehard. That's
2: that are the diehard. Now the rest is going to be like they're waiting and seeing, and they're diehard too. Sure. But I get it. I understand it. And again, at the third quarter. Listen to Talk of Champions. Ross Bjork, I asked him specifically about that. Shame, shame, shame. At Gunboat Dave, forty. Thoughts on Tyrone and what he will instill in the defense. Also, what's your favorite vacation spot?
3: First off, we want to talk about vacation. I love Jamaica, Kingston. I'm from there, folks there. So it's 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 second to none to me. I've been to a lot of different places, out of the country, you know, and and it's it's I don't know. Maybe I fit in just because I don't sound weird. I sound weird to a lot of people, but I kinda, I'm kind of, i kind of cautious of it now just because of over the years and stuff. But once I go there, I really can talk how I want to, and people understand that weird accent, which is crazy. So Jamaica, of course, would be my favorite place to vacation. But now to get on Tyrone Nicks. First off, you can't be soft and play in playing Tyrone Nicks defense. You're gonna see who's the toughest, or, or, or the 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 first off headstrong, the most uh, a mentally strong person. You're gonna see those eleven on the field first off, because you gotta be that type of person to play with Tyrone. Knicks. He's only coaching you know? linebackers, but still, you're right. I get that, but but his his personality and his presence. It's infectious. It's it's man. Coach Coach Nix was the D coordinator, but he was the linebacker coach too. And the D line, cornerbacks, everybody was right there around him. What Coach Nix has to say next? What he gonna say about this play? What he gonna say we could have did better about this play? Or who not competing? Who could have made it? And who made the play and was erasing because of his mess up? So first off, he gonna instill that competitive nature and that 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 that, that just that tenacious attitude. That's where the Landsharks was birthed from, from from him and his mentalities and his mantras and what he instilled in us. And now it's, it's like, you really can't be a Landshark without the creators. And now you have one of the creators or one of the originators back in it to start it all over again and to, to like, to just to relight that flame. And and you're right. You said he's only the linebacker coach, but I'm sure he's gonna throw and in, throwing a few mixes of some blitzes with linebackers or whatever, you know. But but my my thing is, I don't know how just from knowing Coach Nick's how he will be or how he's gonna have to dial that back. Going previously being at Ole Miss and being a D coordinator, leaving and then coming back and being just a position coach you know from from in that in that area in that realm in that environment in that atmosphere again but just in a different position maybe a lower position but still it's that's what i'm thinking about you know and like the boundaries and, and that he may have or may be placed upon or placed in but me i'm listening to him i'm any coach on this, listen to him listen to him Lip, i'm telling you we beat florida we got out of that, that 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 funk we were in. We went to two Cotton Bowls. We we, we could have went to the the Orange Bowl, but somebody said we're not going to talk about that anymore. I mean the Citrus Bowl, we're not going to talk about that anymore. But yeah, I, I was, it, and it started with the defense. You
2: couldn't solve when, Chris Rolf in 2000,
3: 2009. Okay, that's that. You speak of one game in two seasons. Sorry, so, one, Sorry. one game in two seasons. I we said did I wasn't going to bring it up. We we did beat Tebow. You know, uh, uh, on, under Coach under Coach Knicks, I know he had at least five players that was top five, top ten in TFLs, um, TFLs, PBUs, interceptions, sacks. I green was Hardwoods. being
2: sarcastic.
3: I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm speaking of with of which I was a part of under under his umbrella, and w- and the plays that he put on the whiteboard, and we took it from the whiteboard and put it on the green grass. You know, so uh, I'm I'm here for. You remember we were saying we were looking. We need to find those players to line for, for linebacker. We need to fill those voids. I, and I really never even thought about finding that coach, though. You know, that coach can make a player if he's willing to learn. He can make a player. You can't teach effort. Can't teach heart. But you can't teach football. You can't teach X's and O's. You can't teach play plays. You can't teach how to how to how to execute and to to, to take out. Um, but what they're actually trying to do. You in know, Tyronnix
2: brings toughness. But sure,
3: man, you just wait till the season. I just can't. I'm, that's what I'm really excited to see, more than anything, that Ty Bone is back in red and blue.
2: That's what brings hope. Is the staff changes. That's where so the hope comes sure. from. It's a completely Listen, overhauled me- staff, and the staff changes were necessary. And it's far and away a much better, well-rounded staff than what Ole Miss ran out there last year.
3: I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years, but I think they're building towards something. I see Coach Ty, I see Coach Rod, you know, and, and a lot of stuff that's going on. So, what's next? You know, I keep asking myself, what's next? What are they really building to? What's going to be the end all be all? When is there? When when is the coach? When is when is Ole Miss? We finally going to find that coach that's going to be there for ten, twelve years? Is that going to be in the next three to four years? The next the next two years or next year? Feel like they're setting up for something like that, and I'm here for it. I've, I've been waiting on it. I've been waiting on it.
2: At Do Noble. Does Olmus land Kadim Sy and Jamin Breakfield? If so, is Ole Miss a tournament team next, again next year? The second question is what I'll address first. I think Ole Miss is an NCAA tournament team next year with what they added in the fall with their current roster. Now, they have an obvious need at the five, and that's where Kadim Sy comes in. But think they're returning three starters in Blake Kinson, Brian Tyree, and Devontae Schuller, and really four with KJ Buffin, who will expand his game out to three most likely. He can shoot threes. He's more proficient in practice, doesn't have quite the confidence in games, but he did make one, a big one, at Missouri in a critical game for the NCAA tournament, which opened up the floor and bettered their spacing. So that's four starters. Dom is a fifth, but Dom is better utilized in a reserve role, which is what they're going to try to recruit to, and that's where Kadim Sai comes in. Does Ole Miss land Kadeem Sai? Right now, if you made me guess, I'd say yes. And a big reason for that, it comes down to Ole Miss and LSU. LSU's dealing with all this FBI stuff. I can tell you definitively through sourcing that Kadim Sy on Sunday was reaching out to Ole Miss before its watch party selection for the NCAA tournament. The communication is constant. Ole Miss is deep off in that one. They desperately want and believe he's a plug and play five that can stretch out to three. I think they land him. Jamin Brakefield. I think he's going to reclassify from 2020 to 2019, and if he does, I think Ole Miss is far and away the favorite this spring. Now, if he sticks for 2020, it's going to be hard, but I still think Ole Miss will be a favorite. If he reclassifies this spring, they'll land both of them. That's my prediction. At Rebel Fan 68 Ben, are you going to Columbia? Yes, I'm there right now as you're listening to this. As I'm recording it, I haven't driven that drive yet, but I'm going. I'm there right now. If so, we'll be meeting up with Bennett or Murphy Holloway. I actually saw Murphy in Nashville for the SEC tournament, caught up with him. Love that guy to death. Team I'm sure I, love, I love that dude. I'm sure I'll catch up with him in Columbia. Bennett and I are getting dinner, a steak dinner, that I owe him. He's done so many appearances on this podcast and done other things for me, researching stories and helping me in many different ways. I'm buying him a fancy steak dinner on Thursday night. I'm thinking Brian Scott Rippey's going to join us. So, yes, absolutely going to catch up with both of them. At RebelFan68, in your opinion, Forty, which veteran and which newcomer benefits most from the new 3-4 scheme. Let me first address this. The veteran that most benefits from a 3-4, in my opinion, is Kadir Shepard as an outside linebacker. Now, do I think it's going to be flawless? No, but I think he's better suited to stand up and rush the passer. I'm sure you think Benito's perfect for a 3-4 defensive ender, Josiah Coatney. For sure. for newcomer, sure. newcomer, La'Kia Henry, the linebacker, he makes the most sense. Tell me the veteran, the veteran you think best suited for the 3-4.
3: I like Benito, but I'm going to tell you why. From the inside and from the hands and just being on the outside, just less commotion and coming off, you can cause ruckus right there. But at the same time, it's a lot of responsibility because you got to play the tight end. But if you beat the tight end up, which I think, you know, it, it will be a welcoming a welcome job for him, you know, just to tee off on someone and then go make the play, which really just how you taught. talk. T.R., uh, uh, come out the hips, extend, fall in the gap. Look for the ball. Come out, come out your hips, extend, fall in the gap, look for the ball. So, interesting. Benito, Appreciate then. that, Rebel 69. Yeah, but it made me To make me think about it like that, I didn't think about it like that to break it down like that. But we're going to see. To fall in, really, to fall in and the linebacker come and play off of him, or just really make him right. If you fall off the outside, I got a feeling an inside gap. Or if you're really playing inside how you need to be, I'm just right off his ass, right where I need to be. There's there's no gaps. There's no spaces. There's no he squeaked out he squeaked out for a seven yard gain. Cause every gap is covered. Hmm.
2: Did you ever have much experience with a 3-4?
3: Um, no, not really. Cause cause man, we were we that first Tampa two, you know, it was just a it was a lot of different fronts, a lot of movements. And that Tampa Two, I was in a two point stance, a lot rushing as Leo, just standing up. Or it was really my choice. You know, I could be up in a two point or in a three point stance. It just sometimes in certain plays and uh, uh, certain responsibilities, it just didn't feel right to be up in a two point stance. So it got to a point where I went in a two point stance with like field pressures and, and, and um, certain coverages or, or certain places I had to drop, like middle of the field, hot two, all that other type of stuff, which was something that was different for me. But the three fours, it was, It's, 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 it's imagine we would have a cheetah package, it'll be just like a pass rush package where another guy will be on maybe in the three. But uh, like up, up against the run or first or second down, no, maybe a third down. But on that third down, you know, it's down the distance. You can pin your ears back and go rush. So it was more of rushing on the three technique than it was rushing on the on the, on the the tackle, which they think I would have the advantage, you know, just for getting off the ball, hand speed type stuff. But not to take on the actual run. I don't. mm, mm, That's so. When you went to
2: OTAs with the Redskins, they didn't have a three four at that time. They they had
3: the three four, but I was that outside that outside linebacker. Just like I said previously, when I was in that position, or was or would get up in the stands, the two point stands that I was primarily. Um, I'm playing or trying out for when I was with the Redskins, I didn't have that experience because really when I would get in the two point stance, I just would be, you know, uh, uh, um, dropping into coverage or or, or falling back over somebody's spy type stuff compared to attacking, attacking the run, spilling, boxing and my fits and my gaps compared to trying to learn it then. Just right there on the fly with a host of other players compared to um, just just having a few a few reps or more than a few reps compared to the four years three four years prior to that I didn't and really to be honest I'm kind of mad that I didn't because when you think about it you know I was recruited at, I was recruited by certain schools to play that position and to get to the next level of the position that I was going to play was like hey man I kind of shot myself in the foot. You know when I shot myself in the foot it just didn't really keep all options open, so to say, you know I always wanted to be freeing always wanted to be cursed, but both of them did a little bit of both It well, I did did they kind of mastered uh, um a little of both avenues you know so it was kind of, it yeah 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 i didn't i didn't I didn't experience it enough to actually hold it down or or to 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 leave that 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 lasting impression But, oh he could be outside linebacker.
2: At M Bullock 77 asks, predictions on an Ole Miss-Oklahoma matchup on Friday. How, how far do y'all think Ole Miss can go in the tourney? General predictions on the tournament, and have y'all made any brackets? Shame on you, too, at M Bullock 77 You dropped me a mention on Twitter saying you listened to my podcast. You obviously didn't listen Tuesday for shame. Shame, shame, shame. Ring the bell like Game of Thrones. Bennett, Hip and I went through the entire bracket, and we broke down Ole Miss-Oklahoma, too. I have Duke. Texas Tech, Auburn, and Virginia in my final four with Duke winning. It's a lame pick, I know, but the bracket to me is chalky. And as far as Ole Miss goes, I think Ole Miss beats Oklahoma on Friday and loses to Virginia on Sunday. But remember, they weren't supposed to be here. Picked last in the preseason in the SEC. Everything from here on out, it's gravy. They got to the dance, the ninth appearance in school history. The matchup with the Sooners is favorable, though, and – I look at them, they're undersized along their front line, relying on the Big 12 most improved player in Christian Doolittle. Um, Christian James is a capable guard. He's their leading scorer at 14.4 points per game. He also had 6.3 rebounds. Brady Manick, I think's his name, accounts for 12.6 rebounds. Devontae will likely draw James as his defensive assignment. I like Ole Miss's odds there. The Sooners like Ole Miss aren't a particularly good rebounding team, which I think boosts Ole Miss's chances. Ole Miss has the advantage on the perimeter. Kermit Davis is one of the best X's and O's coaches in college basketball and can go toe-to-toe schematically with anyone. He's an absolute stud. The SEC Coach of the Year, turnaround for Ole Miss remarkable. This is in no way disrespecting Kermit Davis, who has done an absolutely bang-up job. But this is only his fourth NCAA turner appearance in the last 17 years, and I'm looking right now at the Oklahoma notes. Lon Kruger, one of the best coaches in college basketball, is guiding a team to the NCAA tournament for the 19th time in his career, the 10th most among active head coaches. He's the only coach to win an NCAA tournament game with five programs. In 2015, he became the first and only coach since the NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams in 1985 to take four programs to the Sweet 16 or beyond, and he's one of only three head coaches to ever lead four schools to multiple NCAA tournament wins. Now, head-to-head, one game, I'll take Kermit Davis all day against pretty much anybody, but – Lon Kruger has been in these situations time and time again. That's got to account for something. Not to say he has an advantage necessarily over Kermit Davis, only that Lon Kruger, he's won in the NCAA tournament, he knows the tournament, he understands it, and I think that's got to give them some type of advantage in some way. What advantage? I don't know, but I think it does have to give him something looking forward. All right, who are you picking to win the NCAA tournament?
3: I'm my like Duke, of course. They got their man child back. Zion's yeah. the
2: best, man. He's an like, absolute minimal.
3: Man, child. I don't know who they gonna play. He really don't even matter though, because he's playing with vengeance now. Is he taking out all that stress and anxiety from when he was missing those games and watching it out on the rim? I'm sorry. I just can't wait to see with him, R.J. Barrett, and everybody just gonna put on the show. And Coach K over there just calm, but he didn't rally the troops. And it's wartime. I'm just—it it really don't even matter who they who they play. I've really—I've watched Duke play, North Carolina play. I've watched Virginia. I've watched uh, Ole Miss, of course. I watched Florida. Florida. I watched Alabama. That's about it. Now, it's just now, now is when you really get to see everybody. You get to shoot. You get to see the shooters. This is when I first saw Curry. This when I first saw, what's his, uh, McDermott.
2: CJ McCollum for me. First time C. I ever M- saw him.
3: Yeah, like, and and Doug McDermott. McDermott. I'm like, I don't even know where he is now, but I remember doing college. Like, where these guys come from? Pure shooters, you know? So that's that's really what I'm looking forward to on a big stage like that, the, uh, a team that you didn't hear of. And all of a sudden, they just, oh, man, these guys shooting. Like, who was the team last year? I forget the, I forget the team with the lady in the wheelchair that went far, but... Yeah, it's it's we're looking for one of them Cinderella teams.
2: At Greg's, Greg, Greg, forty. Any more stories about your time at Ole Miss, like something else Coach O did or Greg Hardy did? I think you've exhausted those stories. Man, you
3: man that, yeah, you can say exhausted them, but there's so many. It's like the ones I just know offhand are, are just know or just are second to none that are imprinted just just in my brain, is what I first spit off. But certain things that'll mistrigger things, you know. And so, but I don't know, not to, not, no, not like that. I haven't told you, but, but I haven't told you. But once you get deep in the conversation, things do come up. I don't, I don't, mm, 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 no, I don't, I don't.
2: We've hit all those stories at this point. Greg going to Disney World during practice week.
3: Yeah, it's like Coach bad. Joe
2: walking up and down the hallways of the Manning Center banging a trash can. Too many Chiefs, not enough Indians.
3: Too many Chiefs, not uh uh too many Chiefs, not enough Indians. What the one heartbeat. Bench pressing three fifteen, just walking in the weight room, hit three fifteen, just get on a treadmill. <sighs> He's not even that guy no more though, man. Well, really I did not, see it in the you know? I No, but wait, we did see some glimpse of it in the interview. Okay, guys, hold it down. I'm trying, I'm I'm having an interview. Thanks. <laughs> and then they kept doing it. And now that was the real Cocho. The second time around, you saw the lip and you saw the chin. It's starting to quiver like liver in hot grease. Say, so, oh there he is, Cocho, he's emerged. It's like, it's like. His lip and his chin got a glitch in it when he get mad. It's it's trying to move, but he can't. He getting stuck. I don't know if it won't be open or it won't be closed. It's like the 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 scary movie man. I love Coacho man. I love Coacho. I love Coacho.
2: Special kind of dude. I he's, swear uh, he's
3: different. He's yeah, he's he- different. I think it'd take a crazy person to like a crazy person. My
2: first interaction with him one-on-one, I think I've told the story before, but whatever, I'll tell it again. I was working for the campus radio station, Rebel Radio, and I was going over there to just get a liner from him, which is just saying, this is Coach O, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. That's it. That's all he had to say. Couldn't do it. I asked him once, I said, all right, Coach, uh, all you have to say is, this is Coach O, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. And I'd record it and put it into a liner and put it on the radio. He's like, all right, let's go. This is Coach O, and you're listening to The Rebel. Nope. All right, let's do it again. Go with that. <laughs> This is Coach O and The Rebel Show. Nope. All right, let's go again. Right. <laughs> this is Coach O and The Rebel Radio and the show. Nope. He did this like four or five times, and finally his last take, I swear to God, was this. This is Coach o and The Rebel Radio, and it, all right, I think we got it all right. All right, and he left. I took eight or ten takes, put them together, and it sounded like this. This is Coach O, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Coach O. An absolute Coach, idiot. Coach O, man. At Greg's Greg Greg, favorite AK story. My favorite AK story ever is after a loss. I don't remember which one it was. And I was told this by Murphy Holloway. Ole got the crap beat out of it by a bad team. Maybe it was at LSU that year. I can't remember, but Chris Warren's on the team. Murphy, Reggie. Post game locker room, he lights them up. Lights them up. Goes around the room. He's pointing guys out. Reggie, you're lazy. Murphy, yeah, you're all right, but you're just want to chase girls. That's all you give a crap about. Chris <laughs> Warren, you're good, but I mean, let's be honest. You're going to Poland. Torico White, you're lazy. You might get in the NBA for about a cup of coffee, and then you're off to Poland. Every single one of you are going to Poland, and all you're going to be sitting there in the freezing cold, freezing your asses off, just eating uh, chicken sandwiches. That was what he said <laughs> to these guys.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Who's in Poland, though? Is any one of them? In I Poland? don't
2: know. But Murphy said my reaction to him was to, outside of laughing motivate myself internally to say, I don't want to go to Poland and freeze and eat chicken sandwiches. So I played my ass off from that point forward. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. All I could think about was not going to Poland and eating chicken sandwiches. At Greg, Greg Greg, spooky, creepy locations around campus slash town. That little alley off the side of the square. is pretty creepy.
3: The Grove at night period. We played like it and hide and go seek in a Grove many a nights. The Grove got lights now. It, I don't think it had or it didn't seem like it had that many lights then. Ooh, just imagining a dog, somebody run past you full speed and you don't know who it
2: is. <laughs> That's scary. That's scary. The basement of Farley Hall by yourself at night. Um, freak. that That corner over there by Isom,
3: right over there when it's the theater building and like the ROTC building meet. Right over there is creepy. Right like by the stairs, right by Isom and the Union is creepy. You know um, where the mail comes in down downstairs, like that little ramp of the Union? Oh, it's so creepy down there, so dark and wet and
2: damp. <sighs> Basically, any corner of Brown or Ken Cannon in the <sighs> early 2000s. All right. You know behind,
3: behind. Okay, what is it? It's not Deaton is Brown, behind Brown, that little road that's behind Brown. And Brown the is an girls, absolute dump. And the girls' dorm, and then right behind Brown, is like that little parking lot. That parking lot, the whole parking lot is creepy. The whole parking lot. The whole parking lot.
2: At Greg's Greg Greg, Ben, any possibility of Talk of Champions merchandise? Maybe. Uh, maybe. 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 If the only shirt I'm really interested in making, or hat, or anything, is... Bryn Schaefer. No, R.I.P. Phyllis.
3: Oh, yeah, of course, R.I.P. Phyllis. Man, you know I was singing that song yesterday. Just sung the whole song. I don't know why. Schaefer
2: song?
3: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know why. It just came out of nowhere. And Leanne started, my wife started singing with me just out of nowhere. But the R.I.P. Phyllis shirt,
2: for sure. For sure. At Cole Miss 22, where would this basketball team be if the selection committee still used the RPI instead of net? Huh. Let's take a look. Ole Miss, 20 and 12, 10 and 9, strength of schedule 60, 68, RPI rank 67. They did not make the NCAA tournament in 2016 17. They were 20 and 13 overall, 11 and 9 in the conference, 77 RPI, 69 strength of schedule. In 2015 16, 20 and 12, 10 and 9, 97 RPI, 138 strength of schedule. In 2014 15, 20 and 12, 11 and 8 in the SEC. 60 RPI strength of schedule 53. They made the NCAA tournament. That was the year Stephen Moody came back in Dayton and beat BYU, and they lost to Xavier to end the year. And then and I mean 26 and eight, 15 and six. That was the 2013 year. Their strength of schedule was 120, but their RPI was 48. In 2011, 12, 20 and 13, 10 and nine, 61 and 45. they'd have been in um, 2009, 10, 21 and 10, 9 and 8. 71 strength of schedule, 61 RPI, probably would have been in. In 2007-08, 24-10, 7-10 in the league. Remember, Oklahoma is 19-13, 7 wins in the Big 12. 63 strength of schedule, 39 RPI, and didn't make the NCAA tournament. Absurd. The net rankings help, but here's what you need to remember about the net. In those years, the SEC, for the most part, was bad it's like a three four bid league and those teams were hurt by that there were times when the sec was sixth overall conference in the country or the seventh overall conference in the country behind even the mountain west so Ole Miss was punished by its own conference with the net however Ole Miss would have probably made it three or four more times quite frankly and I know that sounds crazy to think but go look at the numbers the resume is about the same That's why, if you're Ole Miss, be thankful that the net is here and that it's getting respected like it should and that the league, more importantly, most importantly of all, is better. That's the biggest thing. The number one thing is that the league is 100% better, and that's big. You've walked
4: this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your
0: future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be
3: complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions.
1: That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional
3: relationship with a trusted financial advisor.
1: Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs.
0: Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America, touching lives, securing futures.
2: At Jerome underscore Billy. What D lineman does Forty think will benefit most from the change to the 3-4 defense?
3: Ryder ends. No, just because his body, his range, his, 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 you know, uh, from being. Similar build
2: to you when you first arrived.
3: You know, just, just, just long. Linky Ranger type guy that I could actually relate to, you know, um, being undersized and then putting on weight and then not knowing where you're going to be and then now being in this position It's a way to discover yourself and all at the same time, like take what you learn from the inside and bring it to the outside on that island, which you were on the island at defensive end, but now you're really on the island. So it's just about, you know, uh, working with it, mastering it, learning, learning placement. You know, footwork, how to come out the ball and stuff is different now. You know, but he, I think he's going to actually fill that role just by, by size. You know, it's you see a guy out there as a quarterback, you know, you got to put just a little bit more, uh, a, a little, just a little bit more air under that ball. You put a little bit more air, that gives the, the cornerbacks just a little bit more time, or give the safeties just a little bit more time. So that kind of affects everything, didn't? Then, then especially if he actually learned that position and master it. So just, just, just. Just, just just something to look forward to and it's something that should be exciting to see how he feels devoid or make that that transition to outside linebacker.
2: At Ole Miss John, what's your predictions on where the Rebels end up in the draft? DK Metcalf eight to sixteen, AJ Brown twenty eight to forty two, and Greg Little about the same. I think his extends out to about fifty eight. Dawson Knox will go in the top three rounds. The rest of them will be late rounds to undrafted, other than DeMarcus Lodge, who I think can be a fourth or a fifth.
3: Yeah, it's 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 weird when you look at where DK is slotted compared to where AJ is it's slotted. It's all
2: projection.
3: I know, but it's just projection. But I, I think just body body size and all that just really has a lot to do with it. Cause then when you
2: I'll take it, AJ like, all day. I'm sorry love right. DK, but I'd take AJ.
3: Like, you look at production, then along with longevity, I'm going to go with A.J. for sure.
2: And D.K., don't let it be forgotten that his three-cone and short shuttle were really bad. Really bad. The only productive wide receivers with those numbers from the combine, Jarvis Landry and DeAndre Hopkins. And it's not fair to compare anybody to DeAndre Hopkins because he's a
3: ridiculous,
2: never- Before, never again type talent. Jarvis Landry's been productive, but he doesn't have the size of DK Metcalf. The question is, can DK with his size hold up with those numbers? I don't know, but you'll take that mold. I could see, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I could see DK having like a really good three or four year run and then being out of the league to where AJ will be in at 10 years. I could see him. has Juju Smith-Schuster and his floor is Jarvis Landry.
3: AJ, AJ, I can give AJ about 10, 12. And then you look at um, DK after about three, four years if DK really hasn't found like that, 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 that niche, that niche as a, as a wide receiver, what he's good at, what he know he can do, you know, it's like, it's, are you just going to take the top off of defense? You're going to run bomb. him? Or you look at DeAndre Hopkins. He's a big guy, but he real physical. He's going to create space. And then when the ball's there, that's his ball. Are you going to turn into that player? Or what are you going to be? And that's really going to determine his longevity or how long you're going to be. Are you going to be there for that to get that pension or not? It's really going to be up to you. you got to learn to develop what you're going to do. You're going to at the top of the route. You're going to break it off. You're going to keep running, or you're going to be physical the whole time.
2: DK's going to end up going three to four years or maybe five. He could have a long, long career. I just don't know if he'll hold up. I believe in AJ's uh, ability to stay on the field, his durability. DK's going to end up, I could see it, building this huge brand for himself and going into television or reality television. I could see him on like the challenge champ versus champs versus pros, where he's doing these physical challenges and stuff where he's all over the place. AJ has the personality <laughs> to where he'll be in under armor commercials or whatever he's sponsoring while DK in the long term, will be racing Lamborghinis and stuff like that. Michael Bullock at M 77 thoughts on Ole Miss softball getting ranked and having some great uniforms this year worth speaking on. I honestly have no clue what's going on with softball. David Johnson does a tremendous job on the for the Ole Miss spirit of covering softball. He's the only person, Ole Miss beat writer out there, that covers softball so extensively and does a tremendous job at it. So go to the Ole Miss spirit. The content for softball is completely free. Check it out. He does a wonderful job covering that team. They absolutely deserve attention. I've been swamped with basketball and baseball. He handles softball. Check out David Johnson's stuff. B-Ham Ole Miss club. Does Ole Miss have the money to keep assistant coaches in basketball? Yes, the assistant bonus pool was increased significantly under Kermit Davis. But remember as well, Win Case and Ronnie Hamilton both followed Kermit Davis from Middle Tennessee State. They're very loyal to him. Win Case has been with him forever. Ronnie's been with him. I think this is his fifth year. With Kermit Davis. But yes, they have the money to pay it, but they also have loyalty on their side as well. Does the FBI investigation affect Ole Miss's ability to land top talent? Yes. Like I mentioned with Kadeem Sai, LSU being caught up in all this FBI stuff certainly helps Ole Miss, I would think, and from sourcing and people I've talked to as far as landing him because it's those two schools and Ole Miss doesn't have that cloud around it. Which head coaches do you believe will be fired in light of the FBI? That's a great question. There was so much smoke and talk in Nashville when I went to the SEC tournament about how Much turnover there could be in the SEC. Will Wade, no way he survives. Now, I don't think Bryce Drew has anything to do with the FBI, but Bryce Drew, he's still the coach as we're recording this, but there could be a change there. Bruce Pearl, what happens there? There could be a bomb that drops in April. That's a guy I've picked his team to go to the Final Four. If he does get caught up in the FBI stuff, does Auburn say piss off to everyone and anything looking into their, their program and just ride with Bruce Pearl? I don't know. It's the FBI. This isn't the NCAA. Sean Miller. There's a lot of names, but those are the ones that come to mind specifically for the SEC, which is my primary focus here. At Jerome underscore Billy, are there any other players who are transferring out? Not that I've heard of. Does Ole Miss have room for any transfers coming in? In football? Yeah, they have a ton. They're not to their 85 allotted scholarships yet. They're getting there. Basketball, if you're speaking of that. They've already signed up their allotment. They're actually one over, so one person has to be gone. Um, If players are gotten rid of in the spring, they're going to have to create spots to sign them, so there are going to be more players leaving, transferring out, whatever you want to call it. So football, yeah, they have plenty of room. Basketball, they'd have to make room. At Jerome underscore Billy, seems like Ole Miss has two solid weekend starters. Is it time to be worried about the third spot? No. I mean, Doug Nikhazy just got moved to the weekend rotation. He's been phenomenal so far in his freshman season. Let's let Doug Nikhazy have a couple of weekends to get his feet under him and be a weekend starter and see how he does before freaking out about whether or not Ole Miss has enough pitching. Houston Ross going to get healthy. Gunnar Hogland appears to be taking that next step. Greer Holston is on the mend, apparently. He has not appeared at all this season, a big part of the bullpen could be a starter candidate in time. His velocity was way down in his recent bullpen, according to Mike Bianco, on the Rebel Yo Hotline on Monday, which you can check out on the Ole Miss Spirit on SoundCloud, under this talk of Champions Banner. Greer Holston, his last bullpen, he was touching 89-90-91. So that's great news. And Jordan Fowler went a career-high seven innings Tuesday against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Now, Arkansas Pine Bluff is terrible, but... Still an encouraging sign for Jordan Fowler. So I don't think it's time to worry. Doug Nikhazy being moved to the weekend. That happens starting this week at Missouri. Let's wait and see, uh, see how he does. At Rebel Fan 68 have you heard any pessimists saying Kermit set the bar too high in year one? No, I don't think anybody had any bar set high in year one at all. No one expected Ole Miss to be at this place. I don't think so, but I would imagine there are some out there. If there are, I haven't heard them. I don't think anyone had any realistic expectations for this year. Everyone was ready to give Kermit Davis and Ole Miss a, a mulligan for this year, whatever it was. Just wanted Ole Miss to be competitive. Even Ross Bjork told me that. Just wanted to see Ole Miss be competitive with the nucleus coming back, and look, they're in the NCAA tournament playing in Columbia on Friday. So that's a great, great accomplishment in year one. At RebelFan68, will David's new podcast, The Insiders, be available on iTunes? You have to ask, you'll you have to ask David, but uh, as far as I know, yes, it'll be on iTunes, available at some point. At Greg's Greg Greg, how does baseball recruiting work? Much different than football and basketball. In baseball, teams recruit and sign players and or just recruit players and commit those players before even signing them, and all the other schools back off. It's nothing like football and baseball. There's a gentleman's agreement in baseball. to where if a kid commits, back off, leave him alone, he's going there, and Coaches abide by that. So that's how it usually works. Now, schools have to deal with different types of scholarship numbers and restrictions. Ole Miss is restricted compared to, say, even a Vanderbilt or whatever, and they're able to massage scholarship um, numbers and how they give out scholarships and stuff like that. Uh, But the, the main deal with baseball is you recruit them all, but if they get committed, you back away. What dates do Ole Miss fans need to know for basketball recruiting? That's a great question. Almost as well into spring recruiting, which really began in earnest in the fall. They signed four. Um, Bryce Williams, Sammy Hunter, Dude Column, Rodney Howard. The dates to know are April 17th through May 15th. That's the window in which college basketball programs can sign prospects in the spring. Some names to keep an eye on would be, gosh, Kadeem Sai, Jamin Brakefield. the grad transfer market. Um, you're going to see a lot of grad transfers start to pop up. I actually retweeted one last night Um, before we started recording this. Little Rock grad transfer, John Tucker, he averaged 20.3 points per game, 6.7 rebounds. He's heard from Arizona, Arizona State, St. John's, Utah, Ole Miss, Memphis, TCU, Nevada, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Miami, South Carolina, Auburn, UConn, Texas Tech, Maryland, West Virginia, Grand Canyon, and Rhode Island. That's how grad transfer markets work. It's a very small pool and a Ton of teams are going to be on every single prospect, but Ole Miss will be deep in that market. Don't forget about that market; it's important. Ole Miss ideally would like to add a grad transfer guard. Do you pay attention to recruiting football, basketball, baseball? Do you, I, I, all these recruit nicks do. But as a former player, do you get into that at all?
3: I, re- I I follow football, the football recruiting, just because of the names, the younger guys, and all of the maybe the brothers or cousins that I may be associated with. Baseball. I never really understood how it worked. You just cleared that up for me as well. I understood basketball, but basketball goes way far beyond. You know, I remember it's kind of, you know, they're looking into it now, but I remember long times ago when I was playing AU ball, like 14 and 15, seeing scouts in gyms, you know, when I was here in Memphis. And I'm like, man, we're 14. Like, how could y'all even, I didn't get it. Cause I understood how football worked, but didn't understand that b- basketball side of it at all. Baseball, like it's just like I said, I didn't didn't know until you cleared it up. Soccer, I don't know anything, any other sport or anything. I was like, but but following it, yeah, of course. I'm because I'd be like, well, why is this guy going to this school, or why would he even go to that school? Oh, maybe it's the coach. I get it. That's where it is. So it's like I'm trying to bring my own like little notions to it. Like, why would he? go to that school compared to why did I choose to go to that school? Is it because he's going to get a ring? Is it because he's going to play? Is it because where the school is? Is it because of the colors? Is it because of the brand that they're wearing? Is it because of the coach? What is it? You know, that's that's really what I get into now compared to when I was actually there looking at it. When I was there looking at it, I was just looking at, man, is this guy, can this guy really play? Is he going to come in and help us? Or he just going to be another guy that's going to come here and probably by the spring semester, he's going to be gone. You know, that's how I viewed it then. But now it's completely different. It's not really of 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 how you going to help, how you going to hurt, how you going to home the team. Let me see him get on that first and give him two years. If he's still there, now we can talk about it.
2: Do football recruits pay attention to where other football recruits go? You always hear it all the time about a package deal and stuff. Really, it comes down to your own personal decision, right? I mean, I don't think y'all put too much stock into where other guys go.
3: No, you, you, you kind of did. Kind of did because I, I – me when i was on my visit at old miss i know the guys who was all there we kind of had kind of got a bond and that bond was that man we gonna come here but some of them didn't like duke calhoun justin woodall you know they went somewhere else but then like the people like Marcus Tillman and all, we all were kinda of made a bond that we can Shea Hodge and we end up being in the same spot come June. You know, and then you look at it, be like, Man, this guy was on the visit with us. He ended up signing with Alabama. So now we looking at him, we cool, but now nah, we frenemies now. It doesn't really I thought you was gonna be part of us. And then like uh uh like like when C J was on here, when C J said he was at Dan Mullen House and the people that he was talking to, I think it was Bennett or who I don't Aaron remember. Aaron Morris. Yeah, Aaron Morris, and and when and Morris told him he was going to Ole Miss, where did CJ say he was going? You know, so it, it, you do you do see uh, or, or, or kind of um, take into consideration where the next guy going, because you're like, man, you may know him, you may heard of him, but then, you know, rivals and all of that was big, so you would see the guy that they say, oh, he's a four-star, and you're a three-star. Why is he a four-star? Why, is I, why am I a three-star? You Look at his videos, be like, oh, man, I know I may be better than him, but he's going to go to Ole Miss? Uh and and yeah for sure I know I'm gonna go to Ole Miss now we really gonna see who better or oh, we get to play with each other now so so you, you do you do take that in consideration it has a did then, then then you look at certain positions. you look at quarterback and receiver you look at a quarterback and he looking at another team man I would love to throw to that receiver now we get the chance to play but two schools are recruiting us and we got scholarship hey man you gonna sign with Ole Miss you know I like throwing that deep ball. And I put a lot of air up on this so you can run up underneath the knees and go get it. Yeah, man, I see how you throw the ball. My quarterback couldn't throw me the deep ball. I always had to wait on it. So I didn't score as many touchdowns. I was short by the eight touchdowns. So that kind of how that worked, man, just in that conversation. And just like that. Just like that.
2: I love that come. C.J. Johnson story because I remember when he was on the podcast, when you and I did it regularly together and founded this pro- podcast together, C.J. said that he, he was walking in Dan Mullen's house. On his visit to Mississippi State, Aaron Morris is there, some other prospects, a few of which signed with Ole Miss, including Tobias Singleton. And Aaron Morris said, I'm going to Ole Miss. And C.J. Johnson went, I am too. And Aaron said, no, you're not. You're full of shit. And he said, watch. And he called Houston Nutt walking up the stairs of Dan Mullen's house and said, Coach Nutt, tell Aaron Morse where I'm going. And Houston Nutt, of course, is like, oh, he's coming here. He's coming to Ole Miss. He's coming. And sure enough, C.J. Johnson ended up at Ole Miss. And I, I've asked you this before. And just as a refresher, I know Joe McKnight, God rest his soul, was a player that really surprised you. But did any player, any recruit look you dead in the face, hosting him, conversations, say, I am coming to Ole Miss, and then didn't, ghosted you?
3: Ooh, uh, um, I don't think he qualified, though. Who? Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. He ended up going to Memphis because he was – he was at he. He ended up going to Memphis. I'm trying to remember his real name. Derek
2: Piggies led y'all to believe he was coming here, right? Yeah,
3: we we thought that for sure. We thought he was coming. We thought Derek Piggies. God, was coming. he'd
2: have been so good at Ole Miss.
3: But he said he wanted to get away from Jermark and him and do his own thing. Derek Piggies uh, it's blasphemy
2: for a Piggies not to play at Ole Miss.
3: Yeah, yeah uh, uh, there was uh Duke. Duke told me he, imagine Duke and Shea Hodge and Marquette, Marquette Summers. At wide receiver. Oh, it's insane. That would have been ridiculous. Ridiculous. Joe to McKnight about, told you he
2: was coming, didn't he?
3: Yeah, man. We we for sure. I didn't know Kobe Arsenal. I knew Joe McKnight. I knew Joe McKnight from basketball.
2: Kobe Arsenal not, is still in Oxford, I think.
3: Yeah, he actually lives in he lives in Oxford. I think his wife is actually from Oxford. And and um, well, I talked to him not too long ago, actually. And um I knew of Joe. Coming there, because Coach Frank was trying to get me to come on that visit that weekend. Well, well be there that weekend that Joe was going to be. I'm like, nah, Coach, I had something I had to do at home. I don't remember what it was. And he was like, 40, this is the weekend I need you to be up here. Big Joe coming. I'm like, out of all, he was like, this is the biggest weekend. It was like January. Twenty something. That'd be the last exactly.
2: weekend, one of the last two yeah, weekends. Then the
3: last weekend, and it was they had a game. They was going to the basketball. So game.
2: you're the reason why I didn't come because you didn't come up and swoon him, get him you to can't come put that You can't put that on me. I put 2009 Mississippi State on you forever. I put that. I put you, that, you I put that voodoo on you 0, forever.
3: 08. You can't go back to oh seven oh eight and put that Joe McKnight not coming <laughs> to us on me. You mm-hmm. uh, put that on on uh, Coach O and Coach Frank. God rest that guy's soul. That's a for terrible sure. way to go. That, sure. that, was, that was our Reggie Bush of our time, man. In oh, New Orleans, he's so that good. was our Reggie
2: Bush. He was so good. At Ole Miss, John, how much harder do you think the College World Series is than the SEC Baseball Tournament, or do you think they're similar in difficulty? I actually think the SEC Baseball Tournament is more difficult, and I'll tell you why. That might sound crazy. The competition is obviously better in the College World Series, but the SEC Baseball Tournament, to win that tournament, you have to have a lot of pitching and go deep into the rotation in the staff just to get to championship Sunday. It's really hard. You're playing game after game after game, day after day after day. There are breaks in the College World Series. There are uh, multiple day breaks in the College World Series. I think actually setting yourself up to win if you're a good team is better for the College World Series than the SEC Baseball Tournament. Now, the SEC Baseball Tournament doesn't really mean much of nothing outside of you get to raise a meaningless trophy. Uh, but the College World Series, that's where it's at, and almost has not had success there. Only been to the College World Series once in the last, what, 30, 40 years. So, yeah, College World Series, that's the place to be. It's a tough tournament. Competition's better. But as far as setting up your team and your rotation and uh, how many pitchers you have and staggering it, it's a lot harder in the SEC baseball tournament because you're playing every single day. At Bamedis, Bamedis, what player will step up next year in TD spot on the court? What incoming freshman do you think will make an immediate impact for Kermit Davis next year? Immediate impact, freshman, Sammy Hunter. Sammy Hunter. Sammy Hunter. As far as stepping up for TD, Blake Kinson does a lot of what TD does. Now, Blake is a different build and not as athletic as TD is, but he wants to be a three-point shooter, and TD wants to be a three-point shooter too, many times to his detriment. But Blake Kinson wants to be a three-point shooter, can be a really proficient three-point shooter. I think he's going to get up to about 38 to 40% by the time his career is over with. So I think from a perimeter shooting standpoint – That's where Blake will step up and place a TD. But his athleticism, going to the rim, rebounding, a lot of guys could step into that role. I don't think it'll be one guy. I think it'll be multiple guys filling those roles. Rebounding, Luis Rodriguez could do that. Sammy Hunter could do that. Bryce Williams could do that. There are a lot of players. And then, of course, who do they add? Who do they add this spring? That's a question for another day. At a true rebel underscore 99, is it still too early to worry about the Ole Miss baseball team? Yes. Let's wait to see how Doug Nikhazy does. At RebelFan68, as an Ole Miss writer, would you rather cover the Rebels on location in the college football playoff, Final Four, or College World Series? Final Four, 100 times out of 100. The NCAA tournament is far and away the most fun thing to cover for me. Now, from an Ole Miss fan-based perspective, the college football playoff, the coverage would be insane. People would eat it up. The number of people that would pay attention to what you're writing and what you're saying through the roof, numbers never seen before. But as far as my personal preference for coverage, give me the NCAA tournament every single year. I absolutely love it. It's the best. Varsity Rebel, at Varsity Rebel. Would a coaching change get Ole Miss baseball over the hump or do little for the program at this point? I don't, I don't really know. I mean, Mike Bianco is Ole Miss baseball. He built this program from nothing. I don't know. Maybe. I think a fresh voice at some point in the near future, it could help. Would he get them over the hump? I don't know. I really don't. But at some point in modern college sports, no matter the sport, and Fordy can speak to this, a fresh voice is needed. Do I think it's right now? Not necessarily. I think Mike Bianco is, is Ole Miss baseball. Like I said, he's done everything for this program. He deserves to go out on his own terms. But if Ole Miss doesn't make Omaha in the next two, three, four, five years, I can't argue with you. If they completely missed the playoffs this year, they won't. But if they did, You should have a real conversation, I think. I think that's fair. But at the end of the the day, Mike Bianco is Ole Miss baseball. But I understand those who would prefer a fresh voice. It happened in basketball with Andy Kennedy. He knew it was time. At some point, everyone knows from coaches to fans to media to administrators, they know when it's time. Do I think that time is now for Mike Bianco? They're 15-6. and I think they're starting to figure some things out. I don't know. Probably not. I think it's an uncomfortable conversation to have right now so early. At the end of the year, where do they end up? Where do they fall? Is it more of the same? That's the, when you have the conversation. But, Ford, you know about it. Fresh, fresh voices. Houston nut of all people took y'all's team with all that talent, that crappy coach, took that talent from Ed on and won. Fresh voices do help at some point. Whatever that change. point is.
3: Change was ne- Change was needed. Change was needed at that point. It was like, what else could be done? to to make this better if the, everything was there but the leadership or the head so to say as soon as the head the was the the head or was gone and there was a, a, someone else with different ideas different thoughts different approach you know it was like it was you know just a different will a different want to let's see how this going to work cuz we've been doing for the previous years been getting us there but we still been short and it kind of worked out but then you saw it kind of fell to the wayside so
2: but having somebody new, that helped y'all. Y'all wanted For somebody sure. new. For sure. Y'all were we tired of practicing in a rain delay against Wake Forest and getting your ass beat when you came back out after hitting hard in the in the IPF. I mean, come on. We
3: we had a whole game in there. A yeah, that wasn't game. just
2: a walkthrough. Y'all straight up
3: hit. Yeah, we stretched. Man, they had the water buffaloes out there. They had Gatorade and everything.
2: So we were we – were,
3: man – How can you play a game
2: after that? There was my high school head coach in my freshman and sophomore years of high school. His name was Steve Denson. He was an absolute moron. Terrible person. Terrible football coach. We would go out on the practice field at 2.30. We would practice until 7 at night. It was awful. And in ninth grade when you're JV, you have games on Tuesday that start at 6.30. We would practice from 2.30. And our scout team was all of us JV guys against the first team, and our JV was good. We went undefeated two years in a row. We were really good, and then that JV team, you would think, would go to varsity and become really good too, but, and we were good. We had, I think we went 9-3 my junior year, but those first two years, JV, we, Tuesdays, hard-hitting practice. That's full contact practice early in the week. Full-on practice all the way up to 6, walk into the locker room, put on our clothes to go play a game, walk out on the field on the opposite end of the practice field, and go play a football game. And that's immediately where my mind went when I talked to you, Michael Orr, Mike Wallace, Marche, about that Wake Forest game. How any coach thinks a team – now, we were good just because we were better than the teams we were facing in JV, but in the SEC, that is JV New Albany football kind of crap. That's insane.
3: Man, I remember it like it was yesterday. Man, you got turf burn before had turf burns before the game even started. Had the pre-rep and had the peroxide and get the blood off your pants. And the referee didn't say do it. It was the trainer saying, Man, let me get this blood off you before you. If you would have saw Lorandus and those guys, it was Lorandus and it was T Two. It was T two at the time. If you would have saw their faces, Boy, we're gonna have to get some IV bags tonight. How did none of y'all step
2: up and say something?
3: Who who who, we gonna, who we was gonna say it to? Who
2: we was gonna say it to? Coach Ojeda? Right. Y'all should have okay. done a walkout. Okay.
3: Uh, all right. Okay. Well, Coach O was in in rare form then. Coach O was in his prime. I you should say then.
2: Did anybody ever step up to Coach O ever?
3: Um, no. Coach O, I saw Coach O. Man, listen. If Coach Oak can rip a three button polo off somebody, I know he can tear a phone book in half. So just imagine him coming off the ball in my chest or him grabbing me. He's like the ultimate bouncer. Like, like no, I don't want. I've seen him, witness him walk in the, just in the, in the gym, did 315 like five times, then walk out. I witnessed him walk in the gym, pick up 125 pound dumbbells, did like eight reps. Walk out. I, I, then I'm like, no, I'm not about to, not about to try nothing like that. To say, nah, coach, we not gonna have this game before the game. Man, at that point, he he was crazy, red
2: in the face. Man, it might just work. This might just be what we need to win. I'm, I'm surprised nobody passed out during the game.
3: <sighs> nah, at that point, we we were we were some trained soldiers. We had to been running all week. We were <laughs> Coach Nutt used to talk about going to war with a can of beans on our back. We was, we was already at war with Coach O, man, every day. You couldn't get away from it. If you was hurt, you had to work out. If you was at practice, they was going to kill you. If you was in the training room, they, you was too soft, but he killed you the day before in practice. So I'm like, so it, it's, like, it's like you can't win, you can't lose. It was like, I don't know, man. That was a dictatorship going on up in there. It was Still terrible. Nuts.
2: It was nuts. At Rebel Realist, why did Ole Miss put their own fans in Section Two Eleven and not directly behind the bench like every single other team in this tournament? I have absolutely no idea. At Tyler Fitch One, if Bianco doesn't host a regional, is he gone? No, probably not. If not, should he be? I don't know. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's too I, soon. I think Mike Bianco has earned the right to go out on his own terms. I know that. But I think the discussion starts to get real, actually real, if Ole Miss barely gets into the postseason, misses the postseason entirely, or isn't hosting in sways. I do think that that becomes much louder to where you go into next year and it's a very real conversation. And a conversation I think everyone would agree is more than fair. More than fair. It's been a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Been on Twitter. He's Like It at Clark underscore Kentrell. Check out Talk of Champions in iTunes and also on the Ole Miss Spirit and SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions and subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. No more questions. That's it. We've gone plenty, plenty, plenty on this hour-plus-long edition of Talk of Champions. Thank you, Forty. When are you going to be back? You coming back soon?
3: Sure. I'm going to be back soon. Just let me know, man. You know me. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. No, I don't. No, that didn't sound right. That's a man law violation. Because I think about what the rest of the song was so take all that back. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I, I shall be back. I shall return.
2: It's not a talk of champions with Kentrell if he's not a singing, b mentioning man law violations, and then me saying goodbye and him saying R.I.P. Right, Phyllis.